brother. Hey, sister. How's it going? Oh, you know, just trying to stay away from everybody. How are you doing? <laughs> Is that something that you've ever said in your whole life? Yeah, you know, I get in those those moods sometimes, but generally no. I know. And well, when you're in those moods, you also still have the opportunity. You have the chance to stay near people if you want. But now we just don't even have that. We can't be near anybody nowadays. This is terrible. I truly am looking forward to a hug. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got you beat there because I've got a lot of people in this house want to hug me. So that's really nice. <laughs> you do. Do they want to hug you more or do you want to hug them more? Who's the uh, hug initiator? Um, It is generally them. Well, not Ella, but Charlie is so cute. She's, she calls them huggies. I don't know why. She calls everything. She puts oh. an e, a, a Y at the end of everything. So she'll have, she'll have snackies and she'll have, uh, she put her, <laughs> on her socksies. And socksies. She, uh-huh. And uh, she always wants a huggy. She says, huggy. And how could you not? How could you not? I wish I could. Yeah. Oh, this is so, it's so sad. You'll be able to eventually. You'll give her lots of huggies for your whole life. Huggies. Yes, <laughs> Probably sure. by the time this is over, she's going to grow out of it and just call them hugs like regular people. <laughs> I don't know. When do you think this is going to be over? I was going to ask you if you have a date in mind. Um, June 1st. I was going to say May 31st. So I guess. Uh, we were a day apart. Uh, maybe it's going to be like right at midnight. <laughs> then we're both right. Yeah. And also we have to define what is back. Right. Because uh, right. it feels like uh, when Walmart goes back to normal hours, is that when we're back? No, not for me. I guess for me, for me, the defining thing is church being back because that's, I mean, right. I don't have kids who are in school My and my work is at the church. So it's like, right. oh, when all the church gets to be together, that's a sign for me that we're back. So even even if you're back at work, that's not enough. It has to be an actual church service all at once. A gathering. Well, yeah. But also we can't gauge by schools anyway because they would be out for the summer or they will right. be. Do you think there are, uh, do you think it's going to be like one day, one week there's no church and the next week everybody's back? No, I think it'll be gradual, a building back up like the way we have been thus far. So I think it'll be, okay, groups of 50 can start gathering. Okay, groups of 250. Interesting. I don't I don't know. I mean, I've never come back from a pandemic before, so. Now that we're talking about pandemics and pastors, uh, I assume you've heard of Rodney Howard Brown and what happened in Florida, right? Okay, no. No, I knew there was a pastor in Louisiana who didn't shut things down and got arrested. Is that the guy? That was, yes, and that was Florida, Tampa, Tampa, Florida. So my, my location was wrong. Yes. Do you know who Rodney Howard Brown is? No, I, no. I, I know who the guy, I have seen the guy preach before. At ORU? He, uh, he came to ORU, and he's, he was the guy who I call the laughing guy. He talks about the joy of the Lord, and he's got this really weird accent. He's South African, uh, and he has a really, or some, I think it's South Africa. He has a very strange accent, and he's very funny. Uh, and then everyone laughs in ch- the entire church service, but he, he calls it the joy of the Lord. That's why they're laughing. It's the joy, the joy of the Lord. And yeah, it was the weirdest chapel service I've ever, I've, I've ever been in. But wait, who's laughing? Just people? Uh, yeah, everybody. The whole the whole congregation. Is he saying funny things? Um, because everyone else is laughing, and that's kind of funny. And then he's being funny, and that's funny. And then he'll say a joke, and everyone starts laughing. And then everyone else is still laughing. And then there's those crazy people in the corner who are laughing. And this then you is really fascinating. La- you want to laugh at the crazy people in the corner? Yeah. I and feel then like people- I need to YouTube it. 
Yeah. Oh, you should. And then lots of people over the place are like, well, this must be the joy of the Lord. And I was just like, I'm this little Baptist over here thinking this is not, this is not <laughs> That's what just the Bible called means a by the joy of, of the humor. Lord. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to break it down psychologically going, okay, why are they laughing? Why is that person laughing? Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe it isn't a psychological explanation. Maybe it is just the joy of the Lord. It is possibly <laughs> the joy of the Lord. I don't know. Okay. So he's the pastor who... Now tell me what happened. Uh, yeah, he's the pastor in Tampa, Florida, who said, who cares about not having church? We're having church. And then they had church and he got arrested. Yikes. Have you heard about the choir in Seattle? No. Okay, truly, I don't I don't know if I want to bring us down so soon, but it was really sad that this choir got together like mid-March and there's normally 120 people and only 60 of them came. And I think it's like mostly older people because you know that's who's in a choir right are choirs are choirs dying um, Also, i mean are, are bridge groups dying a bunco is a thing that is alive and well with young females as far as i know oh, that's probably true um anyway i shouldn't have posed the question of are choirs dying because it actually gets pretty morbid um no. <laughs> oops um but anyway no one was sick or knew they were sick everyone came to the rehearsal and they all felt healthy and they all used hand sanitizer on the way in and so there were 60 of them and then within a week 45 of them had tested positive for coronavirus and i think three or four of them have passed away at this point and it's just like that is devastating how i know they had good intentions being there right they were like oh we're gonna fellowship and we're gonna worship and Look what it turned out to be. It's terrible. That does sound terrible. Um, to take it to to not go there. Uh, coronavirus or COVID nineteen? What do you call? Okay. it? Okay. As soon as I called it coronavirus, I was like, "This also has to be something that we talk about because one, there's been a lot of good internet that's happened since this. Um, oh, and I a know lot it's of bad it's internet a, too. <laughs> true. Yeah, and it's a horrible thing, but I'm, you know, we got to find joy where we joy, the joy of the Lord where we can. Um, but one of my favorites is basically it's like there's this frog and he's just a regular frog and it says coronavirus and then he has like glasses and a top hat on and it says COVID-19. Um, which okay, is very yep. much it just feels like oh, COVID-19 is just the dressed up version of coronavirus. Right. I've I actually feel like at the beginning the majority of people were calling it coronavirus and then for some reason they've changed to COVID-19 or just COVID. Right. Um, but I'm I'm still corona. Coronavirus or corona. Yeah, coronavirus all the way. I agree. I'm glad we're in agreement on that. We are. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I don't know the first thing about medicine and so I don't need to call it by its... Well, and some people are like, the virus caused by COVID-19. I'm like, just call it coronavirus. It seems faster. Yeah, it's like the artist formerly known as coronavirus. <laughs> do you want to talk about the section of our conversation where we talk about media i have not consumed sure because i don't consume much media unless we're talking about books right oh, How- man that sounds so pretentious i'm sorry it does and it is um <laughs> but that's just who you, it's who you are what is pretend hold on we gotta talk about the word pretentious it's it is does the that mean you're pretending with a top hat no Oh. No, it, that's... But why... It, it seems like it's really tied to pretending. It pretending, does seem like it, but, but no, I don't think they're sisters. So you can be completely real and pretentious at the same time. Yes, and you are. 
Then what does pretentious mean? Hold on, I'm gonna. It Google means it. I got uppity. That is that that doesn't have anything to do with pretending. No, because you you are not pretending not to like consuming media. You just actually don't like it. No, okay. So the Google definition is attempting to impress by affecting greater importance, talent, culture, etc., than is actually possessed. That's pretending. Well, let's see what Merriam-Webster has to say. <laughs> Google is not my dictionary. Oh. Well, you, well that's, this isn't you, helpful. That's pretentious right there. It's characterized by pretension. Thank you so much. And pretension is an allegation of doubtful value. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not true. You can't be real and pretentious, according to Merriam-Webster. No, doubtful value doesn't mean it's... It means untrue, right? It means maybe in the neighborhood of untrue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, pretentious, now that we've walked down that path, it, it does sound pretentious when you say that, yes. Well, it's not because it's, okay, kind of. I also, I do watch some uh, some people play Balloons TD6 on YouTube, so there's that. I don't know uh, what that is. It's a video game where monkeys throw darts at balloons. Did you want to talk about uh, Balloons TD6, or is there a new form of entertainment you'd like to tell me about? Well, I, no, I do want to tell you about that, but I want to ask more questions about the balloon monkey thing. How, <laughs> how do you hear about these kinds? Because, like, so for me... It's like the whole world is talking about the things that I know about. That's how I know about them. But you take the, like the back alley into finding content. So how do? What's your process? I mean, it's all algorithms, isn't everything algorithms nowadays? Um, I used to watch lots of weird video games on YouTube, and then uh, I look for weird video games to go to sleep to, and that I go to the you know what what are you going to suggest me YouTube and. It suggested me uh, some Balloons TD6, and I started watching it, and there's this one guy who has the perfect voice for making me okay with falling asleep during his show, but also keeps me up long enough to not have my brain start thinking about my day and going into that whole cycle, so it's perfect. Yeah, I, I okay, I, I get the algorithms, and I'm actually, like, I fully believe in automation people think it's creepy but i'm like it makes everything so easy and targeted ads all of it bring it on please um okay so that's your way into finding things that are interesting or relevant to you and and so i for me i'm like well i just listen to what the world is saying so question for you about netflix netflix is it's the new cable right i mean it's the new it's like the thing that people watch the only thing that people watch um and so it's like what i imagine was like when people watched friends back in the day it's like oh did you see the new episode of this or that and then you go and you talk about it at the water cooler or whatever Mm -hmm. um and so that uh, the internet is now the water cooler and netflix is now friends okay now that we have all that squared away got it got it got it Mm -hmm. um people recently started talking about this show called love is blind and i was like well Okay, if it's that interesting to people, I'll start watching it. So here's the premise. Have you heard of it? Uh, yes. I think Beth watched an episode. What do you know about it? Is this the one where they don't see each other and they're yes. dating? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's like ten men and ten women. I think that's I think that's right. And they're in these pods where they don't see each other, but they're just encouraged to have conversation and see if you know they develop feelings for one another 
And so, hmm. spoiler alert, a couple of the couples get engaged without ever actually having seen each other. Um, and I, I think it's a fascinating show. I actually stopped watching after that happened because then it just got weird and then they got married and I was like, they this now it feels like reality TV. Before it felt like a really interesting social experiment. And there was a time hmm. where like it was like, okay, that's... Like, that's the line for me. I'm done. But I thought it was just really fascinating. Did they get married without seeing each other? No. So at the end of... So after they get engaged, they can see each other. Interesting. And then they go and they move home and try to figure out where they're going to live and how to budget. You know, all the boring everyday stuff that I don't want to (laughs) watch. Yeah. Tell me about these reactions then when when they first see each other. Is there, can you see in their face like, oh, oh. (laughs) So in general, no, people are a couple of, okay, I think there were three couples that got engaged. That might be not true, but it's close enough. Um, Two of them were thrilled and pleased and so excited with the partner that they chose. The third one, I mean, you can, you can point to a lot of things for the reason that they ended up not being together. Ten years age difference, her being ten years older, is mm. the thing that she claimed. But I also feel like they had a really strong connection in the pods. And then when she saw him, she was like, oh, normally I would like a bigger guy. <laughs> Did they not know the ages beforehand? No, they talked about it. They talked about it okay. incessantly. But, you know, the heart wants what it wants. What do you think? Do you think you could do that? You could do the blind dating, the literally blind dating thing? Mm, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a similar experience to some people that like, you know, I listened to on a podcast, like Reply All, like PJ Vote. I always was like, in my mind, I had a certain picture of him and he doesn't look anything like that. Absolutely. For some reason, people on podcasts, I always imagine wearing suits. Guys, anyway, on podcast. <laughs> I think that's the total opposite. They're wearing like <laughs> hoodies. And- no, no, no. Yeah, okay. For those two, I can, yes, I can see hoodies. But most of the time, I imagine people on podcasts wearing suits. I guess you listen to podcasts where they speak like they're wearing suits, but not mine. I, mine don't even seem like that. Okay. Are you wearing a suit right now? Uh, no. Okay, don't tell me. I'm not even wearing shoes. Oh, oh gosh. How are you doing anything? Pretty comfortably. I've not taken my shoes off yet. So weird. How many hours a day do you wear your shoes? Oh, how many hours do I not sleep? Uh, <laughs> 16 to 18 hours. Wow. Doesn't it just sound so restricting to me? I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not a like hippie who wants to walk in the grocery store barefoot, but I, I am at home more barefoot than not. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not one of the, I, I think, man, this is going to get really into it. The restricting thing, it is restricting, absolutely, but that doesn't mean it's bad necessarily. I don't think restricting always mean, is a bad thing. I think we uh, hmm. we look at it in a negative light, like, oh, I can't do that, and no, that's a thing that's not allowed, this thing I'm not supposed to do, I'm not allowed to I, do, but. I mean, we live in America, it's a free country. <laughs> right, you know, people can do things, but that doesn't mean you always should do things. Uh, and so I, 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 the same reason I don't watch a lot of, a lot of Netflix or, uh, consume media that other people consume is, uh, because I, I try to be thoughtful. Like, should I do that? Is that something I actually want to do? Is that something I want to be a part of instead of going, everyone else is doing, I'll do it too. I, I think that's part of the reason I don't participate in media as much. Very 
restrictive of self. Okay, I read a book. We didn't finish talking about loving love is blind. We'll get back to that. I read a book uh, by Anthony Bourdain. It's really good. Have you ever read a, a book by Anthony Bourdain? I never have. He wrote Kitchen Confidential, mm-hmm. and it's about his life in the underbelly of New York's kitchens or whatever. But it was basically just his memoirs. It was it was a autobiography thing. Uh, and one of the things that he talked about, the, the moment where his life changed is when he went to France with his parents when he was like nine, eight or nine, something like that. And he talked about all the experiences that he had in France and the first time he had soup that was cold and the first time he had a raw oyster and how it, that changed his life and made him want to be a chef forever. And I realized that is not something that I'm giving my kids enough of. Um, all the all my kids cold are doing soup? is... Eating more soup. soup. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, you know, having to learn French or having to be in any other culture than, than I've always been in, having to... Uh, see any other city than I, city than I've already, always seen, so I'm, I'm I decided I'm more interested in giving them a, more perspective. I think perspective is helpful. I, I don't know that we got that much perspective growing up. We saw what a middle class white family was in uh, Texas and then in Oklahoma. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and we even we went from a more diverse neighborhood to a less diverse neighborhood, from a more diverse school to a less diverse school. And sure, so I think that probably narrowed our worldview because I. I think that type of thing takes a lot of intention, right? It's easy to be mm-hmm. where you are, live where you are, go around the people that are comfortable and familiar to you, eat the things that you've always eaten. Um, and it takes, uh, yeah, just intention to say, okay, we're going to branch out. We're going to do something different. We're going to, you know, eat cold soup. Yeah. So I told Beth about that and she was very excited. She really wants to go to Europe and to California and all over the world and do different things and see different things. And my kids are excited too, but they don't really know why. Well, what's the first thing on the list? Uh, Is it like start small? Like, you know, try a new food. I saw some Kenyan, some sort of delicious dish on Buzzfeed. If you want a link to that, or is it like, well, let's just go. Uh, you know, if we had the money for let's just go, it would be that, but it probably Probably the first step will be on the, in the summer when we go to Pennsylvania. We'll stop by some places we normally wouldn't stop by. Mm-hmm. I think re- like how many restaurants do we go to when we when we grew up? We went to like three restaurants, and we went to them a lot, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and when we, we when had we the regulars. Out, when we go out to eat with our parents, we still go to the same three restaurants. Well, three different restaurants, but you know. Yeah. So I think I mean just that if we go out to eat, let's choose somewhere we don't normally go. Let's look at life from a different point of view. That's interesting. I wonder if that's a generational thing, too, because, I mean, for me, I don't have my go-to restaurants. I mean, I have my favorites, you know, like, oh, if you want the best whatever in town, this is where you go. But, like, I love trying new restaurants. And even us, like, you know, with our friends, we do Patio MG, and we go and try out different patios and see their different atmospheres and their different food and all these different things. So, like, I'm really adventurous when it comes to that. And I wonder if that's generational or I wonder if it's personality. I, it must be personality because that's definitely not something I ever actually wanted to do. I was always I wasn't against Patio MG necessarily, but I, I, I am not a fan of trying new restaurants in general. I know, well, okay, let me, let me rephrase that. I have not in the past been a fan of trying new restaurants in general, just because I know where the chairs are. Com- I mean, I guess I became my parents. I know where the chairs are comfortable. <laughs> I know uh, where the food is not too expensive and where it's good and where I'm not going to get sick and not going to find a roach in my food or whatever. Gross. Uh, and. And I don't know about that for sure at a new restaurant. So 
uh, that's that was always my reasoning. But I now, yeah, now I think perspective is really important, especially for my kids. I I haven't decided yet if it's important for myself. If I didn't have kids, would this be as important? What do you think? You don't have kids. I don't, but I definitely think perspective is important. I I also think the smaller that our world becomes. I know that sounds weird, but I, I feel like, you know, the more connected we are, the smaller the world is, um, mm-hmm. the more it's important to understand other people's culture and their history and their tastes and likes. And, um, you know, it just helps us be better humans, I think. Mm, empathy. I think it's really important. That's true. I didn't think about that. Um, I, and that's part of when I when I worked at a school in North Tulsa for a long time. It helped me realize where people from North Tulsa come from and why they act like they do and why they talk like they do and why they do what they do. Uh, and yeah, so I, I agree that helped me become a better person in general, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't always fun. Yeah. I grew. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't wait to watch your Kitchen Confidential results. <sighs> yeah. I didn't think it would be as effective as it was for me. Uh, I, you want to hear another, another story from that book? Yeah. Another thing, another way it affected my life. This is uh, the book club guys can't listen to this, though, because I'm going to have to tell the story in book club. Um, <laughs> I was, you can just pull it out and play it and say, guys, listen uh, to this. Oh, yeah, that's, that works. I, I don't have to say it again. That's right. Uh, I, I was reading the book and then playing the bass as I do at church on Sunday mornings. Have I told you this? How I read on Sunday mornings? Yeah. Um, on stage. So, on, yeah. Um, so I was... I was reading something about him crafting some dish because they're all French and I can't pronounce any of them. But he, he was talking about how uh, he, he, I think he was talking about a different chef at this point and how the different chef like it made it an art and did it because he loved the food and he really made sure to craft every single uh, bite that someone ate and made, made every plate not only look great, but taste great. And when I started playing the bass, I, I was really thinking about every single note I played and was like, oh yeah, this one's going to be okay. This little run right here. Hmm. I, I, f- I felt like I was crafting my bass lines, whereas before I was just, you know, whatever, uh, here's, a, here's a couple runs, here's some notes, here's what people would normally do. But I made them like as beautiful as I could after reading that book. That's a beautiful sentiment. Were you a better bass player? Uh, I, I think I was. I mean, it's all recorded. We can go uh, listen to it. We can we can <laughs> splice the audio in right here. Oh. No, we won't do that. <laughs> I was going to say, then how can I react? It would be a fake reaction. I would love to hear before and after to see if I can tell the difference. I would say, oh, this one you were thinking about each note and each morsel and that one you weren't. I probably couldn't. Yeah. And I, another part of it is like I, I know how to play the bass. So even when I'm not thinking about it, it's not it's not bad at all. It's just I'm instead of playing, I guess instead of playing it for other people, because if I'm playing it for other people, uh, I can I can just put my fingers down and, and pluck some stuff and people are going to like it. But if I'm playing it for for uh my own enjoyment and if i'm if i'm you know uh and i mean now we're getting into theologically i'm playing it for god mm-hmm. but I, if if i'm if if it's just if it's music for music's sake uh for any of those things like that i think that's when it's at a higher level and the higher level doesn't even really matter if it's if other people are listening who cares if which level it's at but when i'm playing it i care which level it's at if you could go back in time um from your musical career and I have an answer for this too would you do anything different would you still start on the bass or the drum you started on the drums uh I started I don't know what I started I started on the guitar and then I was 
I didn't think I was good at it. So I, I think I started bass and trombone the same year, but I'm not sure which one was first. I thought you played drums at Gracemont. Yes, but that was because I had a bass player. Okay, I, ha- so, I, I already okay. had a bass at that point. Would you start Would you start where you started or would you do something different? I think I would definitely start on the bass. Absolutely. Oh, how nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's rhythmic and it's also musical. Uh, like harmonic, I mean. It's rhythmic and harmonic. It has both uh, aspects to it. Whereas drums, all you can ever really do is rhythm unless you learn a, you know, a keyboard instrument. Uh, and then also bass, like it's so easy for me. People were like, Oh, you're such a good bass player. When I was in middle school, it was not true. I could play whole notes, but that's all anyone ever expects of bass players anyway. So they were very impressed by my whole notes. I rarely <laughs> played the wrong whole note. So, and I, you know, people saying, Oh, you're so great. made me want to be even better. So I think I would go, I would go back. I mean, you know, I feel fine about the clarinet. Sure. Whatever. But I would not quit guitar. I would learn. I wish I knew how to play guitar. It'd be, a really handy skill i feel like when do you think you would play guitar nowadays oh um well currently in the quarantine daily i would get my taylor swift repertoire going um but in you know back to normal life or what will be normal after this i feel like you know anybody can be we can find a singer dime a dozen so if i need worship for my youth service i can hop up on their guitar and we just find somebody who can sing and there we go we got worship music um i just feel like a guitar comes in handy well definitely more than the clarinet (laughs) no one's ever like (laughs) it's like you know you're on a plane and you need a doctor no one's ever like oh my gosh does anybody have a clarinet i really need a clarinet that never happens (laughs) we need a clarinet player hurry stat (laughs) i've never experienced that you know, now is the time to learn to play guitar. If only you had a time when no one expected you to be anywhere at all. Listen, I've made two requests to two of my family members who play guitars, and both of them came back empty. One was on your Facebook page, so I don't know if you... Wait, wait you... What did you do on my Facebook page? I commented on something, and I said, Hi, can you give me guitar lessons and also a guitar? I don't remember that. I can't give you a guitar. Well, I can use Dad's. He's not using it. Yeah, take dance guitar. I'll teach you how to play guitar. Absolutely. I gotta wash the corona off first, but then we could change the name of this podcast to Guitar Lessons. <laughs> oh, we—that's really interesting to like track the journey of something. I love watching that. You know, like people who you know whatever they want to run a marathon. Well, Brittany runs a marathon is a perfect example of that, that mm-hmm. movie. It's um, a good movie. It's great to see people's progress, but it's also like, well, that's fast forwarded. They skipped all the bad parts. Have you seen Mike Boyd learn quick on YouTube? No. Oh, write this down. You need to look up Mike Boyd learn quick. He does a whole bunch of, of different uh, things. Like he learns, he learns how to play guitar. I think is one of the things he does. He learns how to uh, stack dice. He swims across. Uh, not the English Channel, but he swims across some cold bay, and he uh, he just has a whole bunch of crazy stuff. He learns how to ride a unicycle. He learns how to do a wheelie on a bike. He does a hundred, not a hundred. He does a number of muscle ups. He just does, does a he, whole bunch of stuff. And does he learn them quickly? Uh, he records the entire thing, and his whole idea is that the amount of time it's all about the amount of time he's been practicing, not about the studying you do on it not about the 
uh, you know, time in between your practice times. But if you just sit and practice one thing over and over and over again, you'll get it in a few days. And so he does that with his whole YouTube channel. Do you, is that a good way to learn guitar? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to yeah, do it. I'm, have I told you about the hundred day practice challenge? No. I heard about it on a podcast, uh, from a lady who was wearing a suit and she talked about, she's a violin teacher, does this with her students. And <laughs> so sorry, I, I, I just s- heard that she was wearing a suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she probably does. Um, she does a hundred day practice challenge where every day for a hundred days, uh, she practices and her students practice. And I did that with my students this year. It was going to be really cool because I figured out when a hundred days from the last day of school was, and we started that day. So we were going to end uh, on a hundred day streak on the last day of school, but uh, we don't have school now. So and the, and the last day moved, so it's really sad. But so we started the hundred days challenge in sometime in February, and I've been practicing every day for the last uh, probably been fifty days now. What are you practicing? I, violin. Um, I, it was going to be violin, but a lot of times I wasn't. I didn't have a violin around, or it was a bad time to play the violin. So I it was. It's been a lot of jazz piano. And so I, I can, have you heard my jazz piano recently? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've been practicing that a lot and I can play a couple songs really well when I couldn't play anything before, like nothing at all. So yeah, I think the guitar is the same way. If you sat down and practiced guitar for eight hours a day, you could play the guitar in three days. Okay. But three days. Yeah. 24 hours of practice that you, you're there. Okay. No, 24 hours. Seem, I have to eat and sleep and go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, you can have time for all that stuff. Eight so I need to work, pull three eight hours of guitar playing. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, if you, I'm saying if you practice for eight hours and for three days, that is 24 hours. So you work for eight hours, you play guitar for eight hours, you sleep for eight hours. You work for eight hours and you have to eat while you're working. You play okay. guitar for eight hours and you sleep for eight hours and then you play guitar for eight more hours and there you go. You can play the guitar. So, okay, it's a it's a good goal. I mean, and I don't even have to move that quickly. Technically, we still have a month left of quarantine, shelter in place, whatever this is. And so... So no one's going to call and say, hey, we need a guitar player here right now because it's illegal. Correct. <laughs> that's right. Well, great. We're going to get you that skill. I look forward to it because that's the thing is, right, during this whole quarantine thing, I mean, there are people, your wife, for example, who is like watch me paint this watch me play this watch me draw that watch me what so this mm-hmm. um you know has a lot of creative outlets i don't have any writing probably could and should be one but i i don't have anything to say and, and i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna bake bread you don't have anything to say i don't think so i guess i just go back to solomon and there's nothing new under the sun and like everybody's said everything already i think that too when composing uh, especially there's and, and playing the bass too. Sometimes I hear bass players. And I'm like, why would I even continue to play the bass? I don't understand <laughs> if I've heard this person play that. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. I, I, I have the undying belief that I will someday be able to create something that no one else could. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. That's a great belief. You know, what would be really just helpful is that if there were no other people around, at all (laughs) (laughs) well we're pretty close to that right now true but i just but i mean if you were the only one doing what you do it would because right i just think we get so bogged down by comparison right when you hear other bass players and you're like oh Mm -hmm. i wish i could do that or i will never be able to or or i've done that before it'd just be so much easier if it was just you it is 
it is a truth that nowadays, if you can do it well, there is an eight-year-old Asian kid on YouTube that can do it better. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. That, <laughs> and I, uh, it's something I, I had to get used to 10 years ago when, you know, around when YouTube first started getting really popular. That's probably longer than that. But it, it's something I had to get used to and I really mourned for a couple of days that I would not be able to be the best at something because now it's really clear who the best is and I am way off of that. That's fascinating because then it just goes back to, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, well then why am I doing this? Right. Mm -hmm. If my goal is to be the best, but I know that I can't, I mean, that's a big motivational conundrum. Yes, it absolutely is. It goes back to another book I read recently uh, that talks about (laughs) how many books have you read? You put your pretentious coat, on again and so many how many books oh you read. you'd like me to tell you how many books that i've read you want to know how many we, we i also let the well when i compose things i let that one slide but here we are now <laughs> hey you're a writer that's your creative outlet all right pretentious <laughs> all right i use merriam webster not google that's not my dictionary <laughs> <laughs> um you know i read a lot of books um, but one of them that I read a couple of weeks ago talked about succeeding and why succeed and what's the point of succeeding. And, uh, and he claimed it was your ethical responsibility to, re- to succeed. And if you don't succeed, you are, you are failing at life. I like that. That speaks to me, the ethical side of it. Yeah. Because in, and Beth had a problem. My wife had a problem with this as well. Uh, cause we were talking about like raising kids and I, what I, I do, and she was like, "Well, that seems like it's all about money." And I, I explained that somewhat about money. Yeah, I think there has to be some amount of money for you to succeed. Like, if you are the perfect parent, but your kids, you don't have enough money to feed your kids, and they are starving to death, it doesn't matter how good of a parent you were. You were a bad parent. Well, that's yeah, I agree. Because part of being a parent is protecting and providing shelter and food and all those things. Sure. Exactly. And and then I've another thing I've started to realize is people like Anthony Bourdain who grew up in a, a family that had a lot, like those people are giving their kids a head start. And uh, we are still in a country where that's the case, where kids uh, where kids of rich parents are way better off than kids of non-rich parents. Have you seen that video? You know, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like they have a bunch of kids all line up at the starting line uh-huh. and they let people start running. They say, if both of your parents are still married, go. Like, you get a head start mm-hmm. if, you know, whatever. And then, I mean, there's just some people, absolutely, it's like they just have a disadvantage just because of their circumstances. Yep. One of the things I learned uh, in North Tulsa uh, in that a lot of, so many times, and really, we can't even go back to the parents because the parents' parents uh, didn't know what they were doing or didn't have all the right resources or were addicted to something. And then the parents' parents' parents, and it, it goes back for... Uh, a long way mm-hmm. uh, and so there's two things to do because it, because that is the truth one thing is uh, try to fix it and do the best we can uh, to have everyone start out on an equal footing and then I don't I'm, I haven't really thought about if this is contradictory to that uh, to have my kids start out on as high a footing as possible right and that's what I, I was just thinking is that it's that seems like a contradiction to you saying I want my kids to go to Europe and us to eat gazpacho like it I mean you're saying both yes I, I well I guess what I'm saying is I would like to work towards the dream but in the world we currently live in uh, I'm going to give my kids every advantage 
that I can. I would like for my kids not to be able to have any advantage, but since they can, why not? It's, yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not like it's going to hurt somebody else because my kids uh, got every advantage. That, uh, that's not, that's not going to hurt anybody. I mean, it could if they're going up for the same job in 20 years. Yeah. And the person they're going up against didn't have the same opportunities and doesn't get the job. Yeah, but the if you think of it in terms of overall, the the, the economy, the, the job is going to get done better because the person who's doing the job has more experience and has more perspective. Than the person than the person who would be otherwise. So I'm really just helping the world out of that ca- in that case. I don't know. Unless one of your kids doesn't have a very good work ethic, they just have, you know, prestige and experience. That's true. Hopefully, at that point, they wouldn't get the job, and then I would be a failure. <laughs> cool. Dark. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't be completely a failure, but I would be a, a failure at that. But we all we all are failures uh, compared to. Eight-year-old Asian kids on YouTube. Right, that is the sad reality. What What about like makeup tutorials? Is there Is there someone who does that? Um, I bet so. I bet you can find some. Well, probably the best ones aren't the eight-year-olds, but yeah, they sh- shouldn't be. That's the thing. I'm like, eight is way too young. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I mean, the idea. I think the idea is that someone can do it better. Not necessarily that someone is. Yeah. Not, not that an eight-year-old is the best. But but there is something scary slash intimidating slash, I don't know, sad, disheartening that to think that they are younger. I mean, just for a culture that praises youth and yeah, there's just something to this idea of like becoming old. And I don't know if it's old as much as it's irrelevant. Ooh. I don't know. See, I'm coming down with the opposite view of oldness uh because that's that's what i used to think a lot uh, i i think one of the things i said often when i was working at a church was you know old people like young people young people like young people let's use young people and that was because that was my perspective i was a young person and i think i'm now realizing um that old people are and that's i guess that's an offensive term but i'm about to say something nice so it's okay Old people generally are better than young people at a lot of things. Like I, I, there's a guy that uh, plays piano. It's his. It's like his fourth instrument, but he's way better at piano than than uh, than I am. And I, uh, he's because he's he's had more time to put into it. He's uh, right. He's a natural musician, and he's put a lot of time in piano, and now he's great at it. He's also great at guitar and great at drums and great at everything else. But I, right. it's, I, I it's can't, time. I can't be as good as him because he is older and because he's put in the time and he's put in the effort. But so older people are better people in a way. Uh, no, I totally agree with that, that they've had more time. They usually have had, they have more wisdom because they've seen a lot of the things already. I just think there is something that's so valued about youth in society that makes me nervous to get older. Who do you think values the youth? Hmm. Did I tell you about the, I had a meeting with uh, a couple of old guys one time and I was in my twenties and I was wanting to be, uh, I was wanting to have a say and I was wanting to have my opinion to listen to. And one of the guys said this, he said, well, there was one point in my life where I would not have listened. I would not have listened at all to the opinion of a person under the age of 40. And like that blew me away. I didn't know people thought like that. 
mm-hmm. I didn't know why someone would think like that. And I didn't realize that anyone ever did th- think like that. And then I realized like that guy probably also had some preconceived notions still because he had at one point thought like that. So uh, now I, I, it kind of set me on a journey to trying to figure out why a person would think like that. And I think it, that's the reason uh, is because we've older people have had more time to think about things and, and to see more of life and to see things from different perspectives. And yeah, they have, a, they can have a more narrow mindset in a lot of ways, but in a lot of other ways, they have a wider viewpoint than we do. So yeah, who, who views youth, uh, who cares about youth, who values youth? I think it's mostly young people. Do old people value youth? I, I mean, I was told today, like, you being young is an asset. It's really important that we, you know, have you on our team because you're young. And I think what they associated with my youth, which is maybe not necessarily an age thing, but it is, again, a relevance thing, is because I can, I understand technology. I can teach other people how to do it. I know, you know, what, I just know what's going on and I'm kind of dialed in and tuned in and I know trends and that kind of thing. And so I think that that was the reasoning behind, but I think it was kind of put under this blanket of, oh, well, you're young and so you understand. And it's like, well, right. even as I continue to get older, I still want to be tuned in and want to know what's going on. And so I won't be young anymore, but I'll still, you know, be with it. <laughs> Interesting. Do you think, you think uh, there are other people, you know, 10, 20 years older than you that know technology as, as well or better and know current trends as well or better than you? Yeah. I know, I know a couple. Yeah. But I also think there's a line at which it became necessary to, I think there's right. I I think once the internet, like the presence was like, okay, no, this is it. Like, this is the way we're going. I think before that they had no, I mean, you know, they didn't have to, there was no need for them to. Um, But now I'm like, well, I think we have a responsibility going forward to know what's going on, to understand technology as best we can and to use it as wisely as we can. Um, But yeah, there are people older than me who I would say are as tech savvy as much of a digital native as I am. Hmm. I'm going to have to talk to some older people and ask them why. I I don't think I've ever actually asked why don't you want to figure out how to, you know, set up a computer or, plug something into something else is it just too i don't know why i have to figure that out do you know why intimidation is a lot of it i i think of a i don't want to do something wrong i don't want to accidentally go live on facebook which (laughs) two of my family members have done oh no Uh uh-huh mom was one oh no (laughs) what was she doing she well i think she wanted to she was at the car wash with dad and wanted to show that that was their date night but then in but she freaked out because she wasn't ready to go live and so she just closed the app without ending the video and so it said like she was still live on facebook we couldn't hear or see it but it was just like she's still here like she'll be right back kind of thing but then she just got on and ended it and then i had to teach her how to delete it (laughs) so (laughs) i i think there's you know an embarrass a potential embarrassment Right, I don't want to do anything that oh, could yeah. potentially embarrass me. I am in the same boat. I think I've had this conversation with mom. Is like, for them, it's just not natural. It's, I mean, she she uses the analogy of like it's like we like we're on a different planet, and so like I consider me an alien, and you like I just don't understand any of it. And I was thinking about that recently of like, 
I was teaching some of our staff how to use Zoom, and it's like, it's just not natural. They don't know that the hamburger menu means menu. They just see three lines on top of each other, and they're like, what is that? But to me, I'm like, that means menu, or the little gear icon is settings. Like, I know that, but they just don't. That has to be just continuous use over and over. We've used so many different platforms. It's always been meant the, meant the same thing. I guess it just that's true. They've used no one, less. No one told us. They didn't say, "Hey, this is settings." Yeah, we, that's we true. We didn't learn that in school. No, we just saw it. The only thing I learned in school is how to save Carmen San Diego by typing fast. Absolutely. Did you do the one where the where you had to take your ship across the dam and you had to like lift the water up to a certain level? I typed so fast. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Panama Canal. Yes. Oh yeah, it was the Panama Canal. That's right. Mm-hmm. And Oregon Trail. We learned about dysentery. How, how, yeah. How fast do you type? Oh, you know, medium fast. <laughs> <laughs> like 220, 50, No, that's 70, like really fast. 220. What? I don't know. Wor- words per minute? Is that the... Oh, I was... The measurement of unit you're using? I was unit? talking about letters per... <laughs> Uh, a way that no one measures typing (laughs) i don't know what how often do you measure how many words per minute you can type i feel like once a year i just do a little check-in you know like a physical (laughs) typing physical see how it goes (laughs) i don't go to the doctor but i do know how many words per minute i can type that's true can't tell you the last time i've had a physical but i can for sure tell you i don't know i don't (laughs) know what my cholesterol is but i know what my wpm is and what is it? What's your double WPM? You know, it, it has been a while, but it it's de- it's not medium fast. It is fast fast. I feel like one f- in the one forties. I I feel like is where I am. I think. Okay, that's. I don't. Okay, I, that I don't might know. be really good or back. really bad. I don't know. Um, <laughs> can I ask? But a, I also, yeah, it's probably like I know I'm fast, so it's like a point of pride. But for you, you're like I don't really care. Right, <laughs> you're, it's so pretentious. Um. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> Can we talk about young people now? We talked about all these terrible old people. Can we talk about young people? One wow. Th- one thing, um, it's a joke. Everyone, if they heard me talking, they will have heard me said that old people are better. better. They might have tuned. Oh, we broke the fourth wall. Oh. Fourth, fourth wall? Fourth wall. Um, oh, young people. Let's talk. Get off my lawn. The young people are not as tech savvy as us and that really confuses me because to me like growing up young people were could do technology old people couldn't but like is that true gen z isn't techy techie uh yeah like even uh, the choir teacher last year at my school uh could not figure out how to use the software that we use uh she was 22 or 23 uh, that she couldn't figure out how to use Canvas. She didn't know what all these buttons meant. There's way too many settings. She's used to Instagram where there's like four buttons, uh, which I don't know if that's okay. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what she said. So she knows what the four buttons on Instagram mean, which is more than what I know. But I can like I can go into the settings of Canvas and make a quiz only show up on this day, and you know like I know I know how to how to manage that. And then like that's interesting. And kids typing. I, I, when I was in high school, I could type. I could touch type. I didn't have to look at my like the kids cannot type nowadays. They can type on their phones real fast, but they can't type on on right. their Chromebooks at all. Right, because they just use their phone. Okay, so that's fascinating. That because they're really the first generation that's mobile first, right? That mm-hmm. that is their primary. Mm-hmm. That's crazy device. to me. That's and, insane. And it is insane. But that means everything that's been designed for mobile that is simplistic and it's. It's just 
you know, d- dialed down mm-hmm. so it's easy has become easy, which means the more complex is too hard. That's fascinating. Yeah. So we're right in the middle. In the, think, in the sweet spot, I, maybe? I feel great about that. We, yeah, I feel like that. We can deep dive or we can keep it simple. We can do both. I mean, aren't people always looking for the reason that they're special? <laughs> I mean, did you hear my words per minute question? Yeah. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the idea for life is that we have to figure out the reason we're special? And for us, it's because we're in the right. We're millennials. Yeah. Hashtag millennials right, right in the middle. It is true. It is true when it comes to the, the development of technology. I feel I feel good about that. Well, that's that's a good that's a good thing to go to bed on. It's bedtime. Okay. Listen, next conversation we have, I would love to talk about members of the presidential cabinet and which one you would be best at. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll research the members of the presidential cabinet. I know. I also have to do research, but yeah, I've been watching Madam Secretary like a lot, and so I, I've gotten an introduction. So okay. Yeah, you, that's something to look forward to. Riveting. Uh, and then I, I wanted to talk about inspiration a little bit. We talked about it with Anthony Bourdain, how I was inspired. But I have a whole other, mm-hmm. whole other section on inspiration. Maybe we'll talk about it next time. Okay, I do. I think. Do you think we should talk about one of your, uh, you know, nuggets? Which nuggets? You know, what, hold on. My list of life-changing ideas. That's it. Uh, tonight. Oh, is it too, is it too in depth? No, nope. I got lots of life changing ideas. Do you want to hear all of them? Just just inspire me with one. Just leave me with one to stew on. Okay, here's one that uh, I think is really good. It's a good wrap. Is it relevant to me learning the guitar? It's perfectly relevant to you learning the guitar. Bring it on. Growth isn't an automatic process. It's a John Maxwell quote. And it, oh, that was the end. That's the end. That's the idea. It's, oh. it's a life changing oh. idea. Growth is not an automatic I thought, process. I thought it was going to say, but it is. <laughs> no, okay. no, no. Okay. People, people think like, oh, you get older and you grow. And oh, look at that guy. He's got some gray hair. He's that's wisdom. Uh, and John Maxwell says, gray hair is not wisdom. Gray hair just means you got older. Uh, did you learn more? Did you get better during that whole time? Did you have a plan for growth? If you don't plan to grow, you grow to plan. That's not true. If you don't plan, if you don't plan to grow, uh, then you won't grow. You suck. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, growth is an automatic process. Uh, learning the guitar. You're never going to learn the guitar if you don't learn the guitar. Hmm. Very simple yet very complex.